0: A lonely sort
1: of place. Even for a boys, first and let me tell you, I'm out here from a very far away place. Oh, for a chance we'll
2: be a star Welcome back everyone. See? This is another combination podcast between Bless You Boys and the Don't Call It A Rebuild, it's a team build podcast. I'm the host of the Bless You Boys Podcast, Brandon Day. With me is my co-host Mark Garage. Mark, how are we doing tonight?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing, Brandon?
2: Pretty good. We're uh, we're swelting, sweltering. I just wanted to use that word. I never use it. <laughs> but it's uh, been pretty hot. We're, it looks like we're finally getting a little bit of rain here. Uh, but other than that, yeah, we, we're just you know kind of in the oven here of uh, East Michigan.
1: But we do have baseball.
2: We do finally have baseball again. Thank God. And the Tigers, um, in their their merciful wisdom appear to have realized that um, streaming the games somewhere would make a lot of sense because we're all really, really desperate. And the whole point of this whole whole extravaganza is that we all just really want to see baseball to the point that, you know, we're all uh, going through all kinds of hoops. The players are going through all kinds of hoops. The league, all these machinations trying to get things started. Players opting out. Players, you know, testing positive for COVID. Um, You know, this is all just so that we can watch some damn baseball. So I guess if there's baseball being played, you better stream it. So here we go.
1: From from what I hear, even the, even the writers are are excited that baseball started.
2: You know what? We should <laughs> I ask, definitely. Yeah, we should ask one of those uh, one of those writer fellows. Um, we've got Cody Stavenhagen with us from the Athletic Detroit. Cody, how's it going?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's good. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, it's weird out there right now, being back in the ballpark with no fans, with having to wear a mask, all that. It's strange, and it's there's a little bit of guilt right you almost feel bad for being excited about baseball in the wake of um a global pandemic where people are losing their lives that continues to get worse and all that but at the same time it's just been really good to be back in the stadium to be back to work um to be back you know it it does it makes you appreciate watching the Detroit Tigers for a living it it really does
1: yep and to all come the work, back and think all the I'm here I'm glad I'm beginning. glad I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there. I think I, I tweeted this the other day, but uh, if you love baseball, there's just something beautiful about it. even just sitting in the stands and watching on a beautiful day out, watching Miguel Cabrera take batting practice. It is, it is something that if you love the game and you get to see, be, be you know, part of that scene and get to watch it, it's something you don't ever forget. So yeah, it's a precious. Uh, sure that, uh,
2: it's a precious thing for sure, and we may not have him, you know too many more years so th- just to see him healthy and you know having a good time out there and doing his thing is uh is a treat for sure yeah. so it how's, made, uh, it made
1: me, i was gonna ask uh, it, cody though it made me you feel you... better.
2: yeah oh yeah for sure Co- yeah so cody from you're from texas man from amarillo like does this heat bother you at all or are you just like
0: whatever you guys you're all whining <laughs> yeah, yeah not at all. you guys don't know what hot is it is <laughs> I'm not used to the humidity west texas is incredibly dry uh, so I found myself just sweating a lot more. Uh, it doesn't necessarily bother me. It's just something I kind of notice, right? In terms of the heat, I, I'm fine with it. I love it, actually. i um, not looking forward to cold weather again. This is, uh, yeah, I'm actually really enjoying this.
2: Yeah, the heat, uh, you know, hasn't really bothered me with the mask either, but it is like the humidity. Like in the building I work in, on some days it's kind of humid in there or going outside you know, having to be in the stadium with, with the mask on, I'm sure you're just like, you know, just drinking your own sweat for, uh, for large portions of the afternoon, but, but we've had inter-squad, inter-squad, you know, games the last couple of days, and that's gotta be, uh, that's gotta be a little, you know, a lot of fun for you guys. How's it been, uh, kind of getting used to the new procedures and protocols and stuff and, and actually getting to see some baseball played?
0: Yeah, you get used to it all pretty quickly. Um, I mean, nothing's too different, right? You're getting your, t- your uh, from a media standpoint, you're getting your temperature taken before you come in, and you got to wear a mask the whole time. You're kind of st- trying to stay six feet apart uh, from people, but at the end of the day, we're either in the you know in the stands or up in the press box watching baseball. It's not too different. Uh, the first day was it was really great to be out there, and then you know you, you try to fight the negative thoughts, but. <laughs> But then suddenly you realize, oh, this is like spring training. Oh, this is getting boring. Uh, but I think Ron Gardenhire and company had the same idea. They moved into inter-squad a little earlier than they first planned to. So we've now had three days. There will be four on Saturday of inter-squad games. Um, it's been cool just to watch baseball to kind of see how everyone's looking, what kind of shape they're in after spring training. Uh, it's It's been really good.
2: Yeah. And that's, that was kind of uh, Ron Gardenhire's idea, was just to kind of keep the vibe strong by, like, let's not just be out here, you know, shagging fly balls and, and all that kind of thing and just get right down to playing games, which makes sense.
0: And they might have seen that a few teams kind of skipped that whole stage and were going straight into inner squad They might have thought, why in the world are we sitting here taking BP, <laughs> taking infield, and we could be getting into real work? This isn't, you know, this isn't 1963 Yep. These guys all stayed in good shape. Yeah. Number one, they they come to spring training in good shape, and even in a three month hiatus, I don't know that there's anyone who physically appears to be in worse shape. And just watching them swing, watching them throw, uh, these guys are professional ball players. They've been getting their work in. I think it was the right call to move into inter squad games. They do still have to ramp up into real game shape. Pitchers got to stretch out a little more. Uh, but I don't think they're getting a whole lot out of, you know, BP, even live BP. I think, I think we're now to the stage uh, these guys need to be at.
2: Yeah. And we've really only got two weeks left, um, which is kind of crazy. It feels very compressed here, that's for sure.
1: You know, I, I like inter-squad games, but I also start wondering, you know, if some of the way they do this is a little antiquated, as in, look, uh, I want to make sure that Miguel Cabrera gets more than four game conditioned at bats. So what I'd probably be doing is, okay, listen, all you guys, here's how it's going to roll. We're going to play a game. Miguel's going to, you know, hit second in every inning just so you know that he's going to get like six at bats and, then we're going to let him go rest. And, you know, I mean, and I would do that with more more and more players. The other thing I think I've brought this up a few times on Twitter is I have no idea whether or not either after their game or at 9.30 in the morning not doing some form of a prospect game where, you know, Torkelson getting one at bad in the seventh inning at, you know, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, it's nice, but – I'd much rather have him facing Dario Agrizal uh, three times at 9.30 in the morning. Okay, I think he'd get a lot, a lot more out of it. He can always get in at bat at 2 o'clock in the seventh inning of the inter-squad game. Besides that, I think some of these guys need more player development. And it just boggles my mind that the, you know, some teams, I'm sure, are doing that. And others are like, oh, some of the teams are doing that. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe we should do that. Okay.
2: Well, well, I mean, I think it makes sense to try to get your regulars, you know, more at bats and, you know, I mean, right now, like I said, just said, you know, we've got two weeks to go. Like if, if these guys are going to be on the 30 man they need to play and the development is just going to have to wait, unfortunately, you know, for the guys who are further down, I think. Um, I mean, I might do the same thing and just have all those guys. Yeah. Scrimmage or, or play, you know, whenever, but, um, yeah, right now it's uh, it's just all hands on deck trying to get ready for this thing. I assume.
1: All right, we'll we'll get to the development maybe a little later. So, code, you've been watching for four days. It's really hard to make much of a. Not too many things are going to make an imprint on you early in the first four days. But w- what have you seen that you think is kind of cool? And what do you, you know, what kind of things are you seeing down there?
0: Yeah, you make a good point. You don't want to overreact to the results of three inter-squad games or whatever, but um, Kristen Stewart looks way better than he did in spring training. He already has has more hits than he did in all of spring training, uh, including a bunt single against the shift in (laughs) in an inter-squad game today. Um, uh, You know, I I think we're going to talk about Harold Castro a little bit later, but he's just out here killing it. it. It's hard to tell for the hitters. I think we're getting a little better read on where these pitchers are at. And like I said, these guys are all in good shape. Matthew Boyd looks like he could probably throw six, seven innings right now. Um, I think he threw, what, three or four the other day. I mean, that guy's in terrific shape, looks Looks polished as ever. We saw the same thing with Casey Mize. We, uh, you, you know, Shaoxing Shang has been a, a, a really interesting name to watch. just has great stuff. I think his walk rate has been high before. Someone have to double-check me on that. Um, and he walked a couple badgers yesterday, but he's got a fastball that's 97, 98. He's got a killer curve. This is a guy who might be playing his way into a bullpen role, just from a sheer stuff standpoint, about as good as I've seen. Um, you know, Zach Godley, a guy who would have been written off in a normal spring training, would have had no shot of making the roster, had a really nice two innings today. So you saw maybe he figured something out in this hiatus. Um, I think we get a little better read on the pitchers, probably because they've been able to throw more consistently. And it's kind of interesting to see where guys are at. You can tell some guys have, have used this time to improve.
2: Yeah, and I guess, like, the, the big name, you know, who we've been waiting to see for a really long time was uh, Michael Fulmer. And, I mean, he obviously has lost a ton of weight um, and gotten himself into, you know, pretty lean and mean condition. So I guess that that much is obvious. But did you, re- did you get much of a read on... Um, Just on like how his secondary pitches look, you know, the Tigers had a little video up. It looked like to me, like he threw a couple pretty sharp sliders, kind of looked like, you know, the stuff was there, but without, you know, kind of knowing the velocity and stuff, it was, it was kind of hard to get a beat on, on how he was throwing, except that his delivery, you know, looked cleaned up and, and, you know, a little bit, a little bit of an an adjustment there to take the pressure off the knee and and not close his um, stride off so much. I saw some things like that, but overall, I mean, did you have any other impressions about how he was looking out there?
0: Yeah, I'll be really interested to see Fulmer's um, second outing. I think it's tough to get a huge read. I don't think he was really at max effort. Um, The the Tigers obviously have a radar gun and and whatnot on these guys, but it's not publicly displayed. Um, If I had to guess, he was probably low 90s with a fastball, maybe 92, 93, but I don't think he was at max effort. Uh, He did throw kind of a couple nice sliders. You can see definitely a difference in his delivery. He talked a little bit about cleaning it up, making it more efficient. I think he's dove into biomechanics a little bit, which is which is really good for him in the long run. In terms of figuring out, okay, is this kind of guy going to be able to slot in the rotation? Is this guy ready to throw six innings? Tough to tell. I think he's still starting off a little bit slow. I didn't get a huge read on him a couple days ago, and I'll be interested to see if he kind of ramps it up. Um, when he gets back out there, maybe for his second. Half. I, I'll be
1: much. I'll be much more interested how Michael Fulmer, Fulmer's throwing on July 24th than I am on July 10th. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, you take a year and a half off, and you're facing major league hitters. I mean, let's give the guy three or four outings. Let's. Uh, I mean, the first outing is basically just. Glad to be there. Let's shake off some rust. Uh, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen. Next outing, you know, you know, I'm sure there'll be some progress. I mean, you start, you know, by the fourth outing, we should have some idea of what exactly is in the tank. And you know, Michael Fulmer, if reasonably healthy, always, I mean, the slider's always been there, and he used to have a, a really really good changeup. And so I'll be very curious, you know, what they're going to do. I I think this is going to lead us into a discussion a little later about how we might construct pitching staffs and use starting pitchers and bullpen. But yeah, that's, this is a perfect topic. You know, Michael Fulmer being a perfect example. I mean, I'm much more concerned about where Michael Fulmer is going to be September 15th than I am right now. And, Once he gets a chance to stretch out and get 25 innings under his belt, we'll have a – there's going to be tweaks going on here, and I think that we did learn from the last time Michael Fulmer was recovering and, and, you know, rehabbing from an injury. Michael Fulmer, 91-92, not good. So, you know, Michael Fulmer needs some fastball velocity, um, and if he has any – you know, if he's 94 to 96, even, he probably is going to be pretty good. So I'm, I'm looking forward to Michael Fulmer. You know, that's, a, that's an important piece, and it's a guy who can get people out and probably can win. So I think we should all be excited if he's going to be healthy.
2: Yeah, keeping him healthy, obviously, yeah, is is job number one. Um, he's not going to win a, a Cy Young this year, and uh, none of those things are goals, it's just, yeah stay healthy, hopefully build up his, uh, his stamina and, you know, get, get some of that velocity back. I mean, I, I think I would agree, Cody, it looked, it looked just, just as a guess. Yeah. It looked more like 92, 93, which is perfectly fine. Um, if, if he's got 95 back in there, you know, a month from now that that'll, that'll do the job. Um, he's always had that, you know, that big drive down the mound. Um, and it looked like, like he was still getting that extension, but he was doing it a little bit more efficiently and like not, not leaning so much on the, like he used to just kink that right knee. Um, <laughs> really, really hard to drive off of. And it seemed like it was all kind of coming a little bit more, um, naturally with a little bit more fluidity. So, um, yeah, you know, can't take too much out of it, but I thought that was, uh, it was encouraging just to see him out there and, and see him looking pretty smooth and throwing strikes. Let's see. Uh, let's talk about everybody's favorite guy, Mr. Uh, Mr. Cabrera. Um, you know, it was kind of the talk of spring training that, you know, he had, he had really, after years of kind of saying he was going to do it sort of seemingly, had really lost quite a bit of weight and gotten real lean. Um, I think the last memory most fans probably took away from spring training was of him just bombing on Garrett Cole um, in back-to-back at-bats against the Yankees. Um, what have you seen from Miguel? The spirit seemed good. Is he still looking in pretty great shape?
0: Yeah, so I, I believed that Miguel Cabrera was going to come into spring training looking good. I did not really believe he would carry that on through a three- to four-month pandemic. Yeah. Yet, sure enough, he looked even better than he did in spring training. Uh, I, we hear it all the time. it gets made fun of, but he's slimmed down. Here's how slim Miguel Cabrera looks. I was... I, there was kind of a shadow cast over the field and I was trying to see who was hitting, and all I could see was a was like a tattoo on the forearm, and I thought, oh, that must be Jacoby Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I looked at so, oh that's That's very much not Jacoby Jones. <laughs> so that's how pretty he looks. Wow. And, uh, he's, you know, he was he was really he was kind of the only hitter really connecting in live BPs. Like I said, I think the hitters are a little further behind. Guy was hitting some ropes, he had a homer off Matthew Boyd. Uh, he hasn't been great since we started these inter-squad games. I think he just has one hit. It was kind of a bloop single. Um, but again, you know, this is three inter-squad games. Let's not, let's not read too much into it. He still looks good. He appears to be in good shape. And with him, that's the biggest thing. You heard him chirping on the field uh, all morning long today. It was, it was really funny. It was kind of classic Miguel. So all signs are good. The simple fact that he showed up after this long of a layoff and he's still taking it seriously and he still looks good, bodes as well as anything you could you could ask for from this guy at this point in his career.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. If Miguel Cabrera is healthy, Miguel Cabrera will always hit. So, yeah, that's that's all we need to know.
1: I mean, as long as, as long as he can drive off that knee, yeah, then it's just a matter of getting his timing synced up. Which, if I'm going to predict, is any time in the next three days. Uh, I would imagine. They'll be chasing some balls uh, either that they can't bring back or into some gaps, and uh, I'm excited about Miguel Cabrera. I've got a few predictions if he stays healthy about what I think might happen with him. But, yeah, everybody pretty much knows that I uh, I may have a lot of negative things to say, but when it comes to Miguel Cabrera, Mark Goresh doesn't have too many negative things to say because the, be- the best I've ever seen swing the bat in my lifetime And I'm excited to see him hopefully do it for uh, another five, six hundred at bats before he can't do it anymore. It'd be nice. So, Code, what kind of uh, surprises have you seen down there? I know Jake Rogers parked one in the first inter squad game, and obviously, Hero Castro is, you know, ready to be the next Rod Carew. Um, <laughs> you know, other things that you've seen that have pleasantly surprised you?
0: You know what's going to be a fun battle is who's going to be the backup catcher. I think Grayson Greiner still has a little edge, but Eric Haas, man, this guy puts on a show in BP. And this guy was up in Detroit facing Matthew Boyd uh, for all the past three months. You didn't think he got he got a little better than that? He's so. really good, you know, especially in live BP sessions. Again, I don't know that it's quite carried over to these inner squads yet. But I've been really—I was impressed with him in Lakeland, and I've been even more impressed with him since he's been up here. That's been a name to watch. Um, you know, you know. Unfortunately, I, a guy like Frank Schwindel—he's there's probably just not a spot for him. But uh, you know, he homered, and that's the guy you watch swing. You're like, this guy just has some pop. Like this guy can just hit. Granted, he plays first base. He's probably never. Uh, going to be a great major league first baseman or anything, but he's a fun guy to watch, and he can swing it quite a bit. Those are two that really stand out, and then I mentioned uh, Shaoxing Shang already. That guy, again, we'll see what happens with the walks. There are a lot of great pitchers out there who have good stuff but don't have the command. That's a guy who just maybe could be quite a surprise out of the bullpen.
1: You never know when guys all of a sudden start throwing strikes, man. They come from nowhere, and there's a very fine line between a guy that throws 95 to 98 that doesn't throw strikes and does. And sometimes it's not that they're wild. it's It's a very slim margin of command error, and maybe he's that guy. God knows the Tigers could use a guy like that, to say the least. They haven't had one in
2: forever. Yeah. One of the things I, I mean, I, I mean, the stuff looked pretty good in, in spring training. The thing that, that stands out to me is how he just, he reminds me of like a, like a small Trevor Rosenthal in that he's got that very, you know, very compact kind of stiff delivery. And he, he seems to me to be one of those guys that is either like throwing absolute darts at 98 miles an hour or is flinging it to the backstop. Um, and, Cause he does have a tendency to throw one real wild once in a while. And there seems to be some some correlation between guys who are really really tight and uh, and explosive in their delivery like that and um, and that particular phenomenon where uh, it just seems like you know they can be on point for five or six pitches and then completely lose the plot. So um, I don't yeah I don't really know what to expect, but I, I definitely thought the stuff was uh, pretty pretty notable in in spring camp. So he'll be he'll definitely be someone to keep an eye on.
0: Another guy who looks much improved is Bo Burroughs. Obviously, had a really bad year last year had a really bad spring, and his mechanics were just all out of whack in spring training. He figured something out. His, his mechanics looked much more efficient. He had a little more sizzle on his stuff. He, uh, I think a couple guys still squared up some hits against him the other day, but he looked back to being a, a guy that you thought, okay, maybe this guy can pitch in the major leagues, whereas in in spring, it was like, this guy's career might be in jeopardy. That's how bad he looks. He, he yeah, figured well, something out.
2: Yeah, and or is he injured? Because <laughs> I, I kept thinking he had to be injured the way he looked in the spring. So I don't know if he was fighting through something maybe, but he did not look like himself at all.
1: Yeah, as two you were discussing this, the spelling of H-E-A-L-T-H went through my mind because that's, you know, I think bef- before we write Bo Burrows off, I think we got to see if he's healthy. And from what you're saying, Cody, he seems like he's a lot healthier and he probably was able to build up some arm strength throwing in Texas, which I assume that's where he was. And, uh, you know, there are people down there, I'm sure, that know his mechanics. And maybe he went back to basics and kind of rebuilt his mechanics a little bit truer to, well, uh, what they were pre-injury. Yeah. So it's good to see him throwing well because it would be... You know, look. At least let the kid compete with the best he's got. If it's good enough, great. If it's not, so be it. But you know, being hurt when you're when you're a pitcher and you're hurt, it's it's never fun and it's really frustrating because you don't ever feel like you are. You know, you give yourself a chance to use your best stuff to get people out. Bo Burrell's throwing 91 miles an hour is, yeah, obviously not healthy. So.
2: Yeah, I mean I think we probably Mark you and I probably have, have talked about Bo and, and probably, you know, view him as a reliever for the most part at this point, although you know you, you never know. But um yeah, it just um it can just happen sometimes too where you know the the urge to fight through, you know, something that's nagging but isn't isn't necessarily an injury can just, you know, wear you down over time and and break some yep. guys where they're just trying to fight through it when at some point they should have uh, probably just, you know, stood up and said, Hey, I'm out for a little bit. But when you're young, you can't do that. You know. It's just, it's just a really hard thing for a young player to do when you don't have any status yet.
1: Yeah. So, all right, Code, here's the fun part. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Spencer Torkelson, and then let's talk a little bit about Riley Green, who uh, is always fun to talk about. So tell us what you've seen.
0: Uh, yeah, Torkelson, man, he, he, here's the thing. People made a big deal over his uh, his BP session. We all knew this guy could hit. We all know he's a power hitter. Uh, that's why he was the number one overall pick. It, it was cool to see him go out and actually do it. Um, I think, to me, the biggest thing I've seen from Spencer Torkelson so far is just watching him take some grounders at third. This guy has good feet. He can move. I think he's more, more agile and has a little more. More mobility than than Anisac Paredes, um, which is good. But then you're still seeing this guy has a lot to learn, right? So he got eaten up on a kind of a hard hit chopper um, in an inner squad game. He his arm strength could use a little work. His delivery, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Something's a little weird. To where you don't if, if he were to actually play third, which I mean, who knows? I still think he probably just need will will mean he ends up playing first in the majors but i don't think there's any harm in trying it uh but you don't quite see that ball zipping across the diamond out of his hand and they're trying to work with him on that um and then as, as you've already pointed out mark watching him at the plate in these inter-squad games you realize there is a big difference between division one college pitching and major league pitching he's uh i think he's struck out twice he hasn't looked fully comfortable in the box Uh, Nolan Blackwood had him totally fooled. He chased a couple pitches. That's not any big deal. This guy's going to be fine. He's a talented baseball player with a nice, compact swing. Just talking to him a little bit via Zoom. I mean, this is a kid who's not going to – I don't see him being someone who's going to succumb to the pressure, right? He's a pretty cool, level-headed guy. Um, It's fun to watch him play baseball. And as I have also pointed out, I wonder if this time right here might be more beneficial for him than anything he was going to get, whether it's playing in fourth season Connecticut or playing in even in high A in Lakeland right now, he's facing some really good pitching. He's getting some one-on-one instruction uh, from Alan Tramble and Ramon Santiago. I'd imagine he's getting a lot of work down in the cages too. um, I almost wonder if if that might be more beneficial for him in the long run than just tearing up the low levels of the minors.
1: Uh, You know, personally, I I don't think there's anything that could be better for his development than what's going on now. He's he's not going to be intimidated, but I'm sure he's swimming a little bit. And, (laughs) you know, failure is often not a bad thing, especially for a really talented player. And I think the two months he's going to spend doing this – They're going to start playing. You know, once once they start playing games for real, you know, the remaining players are going to start essentially playing their own version of inter squad, or they'll play games against other teams' intra squad games. And he's still going to be facing really high quality pitching relative to what he would have faced, as you said, Cody. And I think this the player development and the strides he will make from it. There's you know, there's a lot of tech here. There's I'm sure, uh, as time goes on, you know whether it's Vavra, whether it's uh, Graham, you know they're they're going to start applying their player development people to the people that are not playing. I, I fully expect Spencer Torkelson to get zero at bats unless something happens in game like 58 or nine or 60 or something. But I I, I I'm not expecting him to play. Okay. No. What I am expecting him to do is to learn how to play. And, you know, my feelings about the third base thing, just to go on the record about this, look, I'm fine with them trying him at third base. I'm not fine with the PR that they've used to try to make themselves look like they're a lot smarter than they are. Like they somehow have discovered some defensive abilities that were not noticed previously, and Yas Gage Workman played third base, and he's a supremely more talented defender at third than Spencer Torkelson will ever be in this lifetime. But, you know, to me, it would have just just been much more productive to have said nothing, tried it quietly, kind of downplayed the whole thing. I'm shocked they're not giving him any reps in left field either. And, you know, I get them trying, it. it's never... Think they do things with much subtlety or being clever about it. They always have to do it to try to make themselves look like they were smart for trying something. And just reminds me of the fact they once paid Ray Rivera $800,000 and drafted him in the second round. But they don't really talk about that, do they? So
2: it does feel like one of those things where the, you know, first. First baseman taken first overall in twenty years. It just it just seems like that just super got in their head. They were just like, we're we're gonna have a whole PR campaign to uh, to, to kind of head off any of those uh, those criticisms, which is you know pointless really. But again, I don't care if they play if they work them out at third and, and left field for a while, shouldn't shouldn't be a problem. And
1: no, right. I yeah. have no issue with them doing it. I just have issue with them publicizing it as making themselves look like it was. A really innovative, insightful, clever thing to do. <laughs> so I, I, you know, that's that's my issue with it. It's I can't imagine the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, would have done it that way. But you know, who am I to say? <laughs> I'm maybe giving the Dodgers too much credit. So maybe we um, don't we don't
2: watch them as closely. It's true. But yes, right, that's R- uh, yeah, Riley Green.
1: Talk to me about Riley Green, because I, I got to see a few at-bats. They look decidedly like the at-bats I saw in spring training, and that's a very good thing. Tell, tell me about that, code.
0: Uh, another interesting one, to the Detroit Tigers' credit, right, people thought Riley Green couldn't play center field, and he might still not play center field in the majors, but You go out there and you see him and you think, this guy's better than a lot of what we heard. Okay, So I think the Tigers get a little credit for that. And I'm already seeing some of the same things with Torkelson at third. It might not impact their major league futures at all just based on roster construction, but it's interesting. Um, Off that, Riley Green, man, this kid's – okay, the big thing when he was selected, will he actually be able to hit for power at the major league level? How will that develop? Well, the, the guy's already gotten a lot bigger, a lot stronger, and that, that's the number one thing you see just looking at him, just watching him. His, his body's built to drive the ball and to hold up for um, a long season, a long summer. I haven't noticed anything that really stands out in his few at-bats so far, which is, again, probably a good thing, right? He looks like he's kind of picking up right where he left off. He hasn't driven any balls out of the park yet, but uh, this is a kid with a pretty advanced plate approach for being 19 years old. He knows what he's doing. Um, I mean, I mean, he continues to impress. I don't know that I've seen enough to really notice anything new, other than the fact at 19, his body is already maturing a lot, which bodes very well for his future.
1: He just seems. I, I love his. You know, from what I can see, he his plate discipline. It seems pretty advanced. His eye seems pretty polished. But we saw him when the, he and Manning hooked up. You know, that was... I, I did see one fastball. I saw one fastball from Matt Manning that was uh, quite good. <laughs> he, right, Riley was a tad late on that. But, you know, in general, though, he, he made him throw strikes, even borderline pitches. I mean, and we have to remember, I want to add in... I, I, I neglected to talk to you about this for a second, Coach. What I think people need to understand is there are no umpires in these intra-squad games yet, which I gotta tell you is—I mean, how do you have no umpires? And you at least should be having some collegiate umpires calling games as you know neutral arbiters, and at least so pitchers have a good idea what's. Are, what are strikes and what aren't, unless they're using the technology. Well, yeah, I thought should... they could
2: just turn on the track man, you know. <laughs> like that's yes. in the solution, yeah.
1: Or, and they don't have, and that, or, or you know, I'm sure they have Hawkeye. Is, it has to be calibrated. It's going to have to be used in games. I mean, there's no reason why you weren't using it now just to call balls and strikes. They could use it. I mean, I don't right. understand why they wouldn't.
0: So Really funny. I'm maybe going to write about, about this, except it's hard to um... – to actually talk to people because this is not normal times. But I talked to a, a guy who caught at the college level yesterday, and he said, umpiring for your own pitchers never goes well. Okay? <laughs> You're going to hurt feelings. You, people might not like you when you have to umpire. And let me tell you, Grayson Griner, really bad umpire. <laughs> Jake
1: Rogers,
0: Jake Rogers uh, uh, large zone, loves to ring people up. Maybe not a great umpire either, but he's he's at least making his pitchers happy. Grayson Griner is not.
2: <laughs> yeah, it sounded like uh, Jake Rogers was, was pretty uh, emphatically ringing people up and having a good time with it. So <laughs>
1: <You> know, <laughs> keeping I, it I, loose. I, I, I kid a lot about you know various people in the org following me with their burner accounts on Twitter. So hopefully they listen to the pod. But hey, guys, guess what? Uh, there was a very shortened college season this year and there are a lot of really high-end amateur umpires around town that they just didn't make the money they made before, and it would be a really wonderful gesture if the Detroit Baseball Tigers hired a few of these guys to come in, umpire their inter-squad games, and maybe spend, you know, uh, you know $1,000 in inter-squad games on four umpires, they could pay 250 bucks each, and let them rotate a little behind the plate and improve the quality of your balls and strikes and your bases activity. And I'm sure they're happy to stand out there as long as you need them to and maybe give them a meal when they're done. And, you know, imagine what goodwill that might seem like you're doing for the baseball community and not cost you very much money. I mean, I'm sure they're going to sell commercials on these intrasquad squad games. You're going to stream. So, you know, it's not like it's a financial consideration and, Maybe do a few good deeds. Now you didn't hear that from me, Mark Gorash. But
2: yeah, but I mean, out. here's the problem, though. I mean, there, you're against everything. You're going to run to the, you know, the COVID problem. I'm sure you know they have no interest in bringing any more people into that stadium or anywhere near their players than that are absolutely necessary. So, I mean, it, it's hard because you know we're going to think about all these things in a baseball sense, and they're, they've got like this whole weird, you know, completely. <laughs> you know, messed up realm of, of circumstances that they're dealing with too. So I, I, I just don't listen, know. I, I don't know.
1: Listen, I, if the clubhouse guys getting a COVID test, uh, an umpire can come in and get a COVID test. So, I mean, I understand what you're saying, B, but in all honesty,
2: now nah, you got two weeks left. I mean, I, I think this is a non-starter to be honest. I agree. <laughs> I'm just cutting you off. Cause uh, no, nah, like I, you know, you got two weeks, it takes like three or four days for the around These tests, I just don't see it being worth it. I think it was a good idea if they had uh, taken that advice like a couple weeks ago. Maybe they could have had it rolling, but I think it's too late. Well, I think of all the
0: issues they've had to deal with, umpires were very low on the list. I think they might be better served with a staff member, you know, someone being I the higher. So you have are dealing with a consistent zone, but uh, as much like you make a good point, Mark, but. There was so much that went into just getting this off the ground, and umpires for intra-squad games was was not high on the priority list, unfortunately.
1: I nominate David Chad to be the umpire.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, or Cody. Everybody just call Cody down to do
1: it.
0: Um, if 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 they pay me, maybe I don't know if that <laughs> conflicts. It'd be a lot of fun. I would pick some guys up. Okay. Uh, I,
1: I, I let, let's talk a little bit about. Look, you wrote a really, really good piece about Casey Mize the other day. Matt Manning uh, uh, showed a lot of things and actually had some issues where he walked the bases loaded in uh, his second inning of work today, if I, if I recall correctly. But I wanted to talk a little bit about what you're seeing from the two of them. I mean, two important, <laughs> two important pieces to the rebuild, if not the two most important pieces. And tell me what you're seeing and your thoughts about some of it.
0: We're starting to see some separation here between a guy who's ready to pitch in the big leagues and a guy who's gonna be a really good big league pitcher, but probably needs some time in AAA. You know, obviously Casey Mize is the former, Matt Manning is the latter. Mize um, was dynamite in spring training, especially as as Mark, you love the kind of the revamped cutter oh. that's a huge into his arsenal. We actually. It, Sometimes it's hard to tell with Mize, especially if you don't have a radar gun, because all this stuff tunnels so well. You know, you have a two-scene that kind of looks like the cutter, that kind of looks like the splitter, that kind of looks like the slur, right? That's how his arsenal plays, which is why I would not want to face him. But it seemed like he was working more, um, more slur, more splitter than we had seen out of the cutter in spring training. Um and he, he just looked advanced, man. He was just – he looked like he would have been probably the best pitcher on the Detroit Tigers staff, which is – we've kind of had that thought in our minds, but to come here and see him look even better after this hiatus tells you something, as I wrote, just about Casey Mize, just about his approach, about how he's open-minded, he's willing to learn. Uh, he's, he's serious. He's a professor of pitching, and that – there might be a certain ceiling on his stuff but his ability to continue to improve and uh, advance his arsenal is the thing that's going to make him have a successful big league career. On the flip side, you see Matt Manning, and you watch Matt Manning throw a bullpen and throw his fastball and his curveball, and you're like, this guy is incredible. Um, and then we saw, you know, every now and then you see this out of Manning, and, and and we saw it today when he threw in the intra-squad. He just didn't have his curve. It was it was. Not, it wasn't like he was hanging it. He couldn't throw it for a strike. It wasn't really breaking. It was it was pretty ugly. And his fastball was really good in the first inning. And then for some reason, maybe because he wasn't confident in the curve, that fastball command broke down in his second inning. He walked three hitters. Um, look, and, and stuff like that can happen to any pitcher. But it looked a little more unpolished. And in the back of my mind, I was also thinking, my big – knock on Matt Manning. I think he really needs to nail down a slider, which he has not done yet. The change can be a good pitch, but in my mind, Matt Manning is really still just a fastball, curveball pitcher, and if he doesn't have one of those two pitches, suddenly he's in a lot of trouble, and that's what we saw in the intra-squad, and that's why I think Matt Manning uh, needs a year in AAA to, one, just get more repetition, and, and two, I think he's got to develop a Slider. That's that's my take. These guys are both really talented pitchers, but you're starting to see uh, um, some separation. Maybe not in terms of their big league ceiling, but in terms of where they're at right now, and which one might be really ready to pitch in the major leagues.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think you know, even even last year, you know, when when Manning was really at his best, like in in the first half of the season, like he's you know he's a year probably at this point behind. Casey, you know, even though he's been a, a major or a pro a lot longer um, he's younger than Casey didn't have that college experience, you know, hasn't been pitching as long because he didn't really start till he was a junior in high school. He's, and he's the guy with the, you know, the huge frame that sometimes takes a lot longer to, to really kind of refine everything to where they can, they can just repeat constantly. Um, so that, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the way I've always looked at it is that Manning, I think has the most upside you know, has the most potential to be like that durable guy who can actually throw 200 innings, which not too many guys have anymore. Um, the stuff is electric, but he, you know, he's at a point where he's never even been hit. Um, and I think you're you're totally right that he needs to be at, you know, at Triple A next year. You know, hopefully taking some lumps and and seeing what needs to change because even you know even against the better guys he was facing um, at Double A last year, for the most part he could just overpower those guys whenever he wanted to. And so he didn't have the curveball that day. He didn't have the change up that day. It just didn't really matter. He just, you know, two seamers in four seamers up and away, you know, ba-ding, ba-ding you're all sitting down. So yeah, he's, um, he's the one who needs, I think to be more, you know, challenged and, and still has a lot more refinement to do. And I, and yeah, you know, I totally agree about, you know, working out some kind of slider cutter hybrid, you know, something high 80s, um, that's something we've talked about quite a bit too. That, that would really kind of tie the whole thing together, but, um, I'm still probably going to, I'm, I'm thinking about this cause I'm actually uh, writing up my, my prospect list for us, um, for the midsummer break. And, uh, I keep wanting to almost put Riley Green number one. I, I have just really like seen nothing from Riley Green except, you know, things that make me think he's going to be a complete star. So, um, <clears throat> and you just never know with the pitchers and the, the injury risk, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I've had that on my mind, but uh, I would 100% agree that Casey Mize is the one who the second best pitcher after Matt Boyd in the entire organization right now, in terms of like where they are right now. So
1: I, I don't even think that's up for discussion. Yeah, I mean that's that's just you know it's a matter of, and, and we could touch on this now, but you know, um, Code, I don't, I don't know if you've done too much homework. I've tried to do some. I've tried to share some of it with. With you guys a few times, but you know the service time question is very appropriate when we start talking about Casey Mize because I get the feeling if my calculations are correct, Casey Mize is going to throw in the major leagues here almost instantaneously, and if my math is accurate and I've done some things from uh, you know the the you know some Cardinals blogs, I've tried to get past to answer us, but. It, my math is accurate. It will take six days into the season to basically cost a rookie, uh, a year of service time. In other words, if they hold them back for six days, not on the active 30 and, you know, then put him on the 30, then he, you know, you'll keep them for seven years instead of six. So, uh, that being the case, and if my math is accurate on that for the fourth time, you'll, you'll, you'll see Casey Mize you know, within the first two weeks of the Tigers playing baseball game. But uh, yeah, I think Casey Mize will be in the starting rotation for the Detroit Tigers relatively quickly coming out of here because what's the point in not doing that? At this, you know, if you're not going to sacrifice a year of service time, Why don't, why wouldn't you have him throwing a major league hitters the way he's, I mean, we don't know what he's going to do the second time through the order or the third, but it's time to find out and let him learn from it. So
2: we know, yeah. And we know what Jordan Zimmerman's going to do the second and third time. So yeah, there's just not much point to him or, or Nova and yeah, I mean, Casey, Casey needs to pitch, you know, and even worrying too much about service time, like you know, Casey Mize probably isn't going to be, you know, Mr. Durable throughout his career. You just you never know. Most guys aren't. So if he's ready to go, pitch him.
1: <laughs> yeah. it's a fa- well, put it this way. I think we need to address it because I can promise you that Al Avil is going to address it. So we might as well just get it out there in the open. And, you know, as far as Matt Manning goes, I think, Brandon, you, you and I discussed this on, on our pods and together you know, literally hundreds of times now. Casey (laughs) Casey Mize, we would really both like to see him learn to throw a cutter. And I can't think of a better teammate, mentor, you know, buddy to try to figure out pitch design with than Matt Manning. I think he's so good that the veterans are actually starting to discuss things with him. I think Buck Farmer made that pretty clear the other day.
2: Yeah.
1: And, you know, I case Matt Manning, the one thing I've really admired about his development as a player he's a ridiculously hard worker and always willing to refine and polish things. And I think the idea of coming up with a a cutter, he already has, I think, Code, you told me that the the amount of movement on his fastball sometimes is so significant. It's, it's, you know, you already think he is throwing, you know, a cutter. So it's, man, man needs fastball. I mean, from where he lets it go, the extension, the movement, the pure velocity of it—it's—it's it's a thing—it's a thing of beauty, and he does need another—you know—pitch that tunnels well with it. That's hard, and I'm pretty confident, you know, that if Dan Hubs and you know other people in the organization who are in charge of that kind of stuff aren't working with him on it, I think his own teammates will probably work with him on it. So it—it it should be interesting. I, I wanted to bring this up, and I. I wrote this, wrote this for us to talk about. These two guys weirdly remind me in a great way of, let's hope it turns out better for the Tigers than it did the Pirates, but it kind of reminds you a little bit of uh, Cole and Glasgow when they hit them together um on the pirates and it uh, ended up to be uh, quite the disaster for the pirates but
2: yeah they just uh, wait i mean they just wasted
1: them you know <laughs> i, I really? think they have
2: two things broken-
0: happening in detroit though
1: <laughs> yeah you could but you know the pirates all they have left from that now is two broken flower pots uh, you know a a, bo- a box of melted chocolates and people lost their jobs and you <laughs> look at how, how good those players how Good, both those pitchers are now. Yeah. And it makes you wonder, it just goes to show you, yes, player development is very important. Talent is a wonderful thing. If you do not know how to develop, develop it and polish it, it doesn't matter how much talent they give you. Okay? Yeah, because it's, and, it's
2: not just that the, you know, the Pirates didn't have anything around them and, and brought them up. It's that you know, we, we watched the way they developed them and it, you know, and it, it went with the whole Pirates, you know, sinkers and the shift philosophy and it was completely backwards for both of them and as soon as they both got traded, they, you know, immediately broke out in a most embarrassing fashion for literally anyone, you know, living in the state of Pennsylvania possibly.
1: And, and, and by <laughs> the way, let's be clear about this. Tyler Glass now dominated AAA for the Pirates and Garrett Cole was very good in the major leagues, but I think you know, our, I think all of our fam- favorite baseball word now is "optimize," and you know the Pirates just are clueless how to optimize those two guys to be good. And imagine giving away those two guys, and what they've got in return for it is just a lot of disappointment. Yeah. So it, but let's, so let's hope the Tigers do a better job. But those, you know, Manning and Mize remind. I mean, quite a, I mean, it's unfair to compare Matt Manning to Garrett Cole, but there's more similarities there than you might think. So um, in, in body type, in arm, in in release point, it's all, there's some definite similarities there. Let's hope that Matt Manning can polish his command up to be at Garrett Cole levels, but it just goes to show you, um, you know, smart teams do smart things with talented people, and you know, in in ineffective, poor player development. No matter how good you you draft, and no matter how talented your players are, if you do not know how to make them better, you end up being the Pittsburgh Pirates. So yeah, uh, it, it it was an interesting comparison. All right, I I want to give this a minute or two. Code, you wrote it, or I saw you You weaved it into your piece the other day. But the biggest star so far in the inter squad games is Harold Castro, right?
0: He's a superstar. Um, real quick, just to backtrack before we go into Castro, you're right on the service time thing. I've done my own math. I think Kylie McDaniel has written it. They could call Mize up the seventh day of the season, he would not lose a year of service time. I see two factors taking shape right now that, that Alavila and company are either going to earn their paychecks or not earn their paychecks based on, and, and I don't want their job. This, this is why they make a lot of money. Number one, Daniel Norris might not be ready to be in the rotation opening day. Suddenly you can't say, Oh, there's not even really room for my because nah, there, there might be. Uh, but the next CBA, if, uh, if, if the service time requirement for free agency is dropped from six years to five years, especially given Green and Torkelson are still a couple years off, that's a little bit of a game-changer. So yeah. if you're thinking ahead, do you wait, do you manipulate service time next year, bring up Mize in May or whatever of next year, uh, like I said, the guy's ready to pitch in the big leagues. The timing of it is is very tricky. I'm all for the argument of bringing them up now, but it is—it's uh, a layered discussion that kind of just keeps getting more
1: complicated. Yeah, but if you wait till if you wait till May next year, it's no different than they're still going to have them seven years for six. So my point about this is—is is,
2: well, you don't know, you know that though. Wait
1: the six. But I'm saying is, so. My point is if you if you generate the extra year by waiting seven days, okay. That, then it, it is what it is. I mean, so look, the Detroit Tigers have to put a competitive team on the field at some point in time. You cannot just go every year having terrible players play for you. I mean, they've already done monstrous damage to their own fan base, and it's something we'll talk about maybe a little later in the pod. But I mean, holy smokes, Washington and St. Louis are worth between seven hundred million to a billion dollars more than the Detroit Tigers with very similar types of markets. And it's because those teams are good and good consistently, and the Detroit Tigers, just bad. So I don't think that you know suppressing to get a good draft choice makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, at some point in time, maybe somebody should explain to Chris Silich, you know, Chris, your franchise value is down like $700 million dollars. It's not a good thing to have a terrible team every year. It's a bad idea, especially when you used to draw 3 million players, 3 million, 3 million uh, fans. So it's, you can't keep shooting yourself in the foot all the time. That's the bottom line.
2: Well, And you, you, can't and you know what they're going to come back and say, you know, to, to that is we're trying, you know, we're trying to build that sustainable winner. You know, we want to be good for the next decade and not just like a, a brief, brief burst. But, uh, but I mean, I think we all agree. Like it, it's, it's, kind of go time, like it's, it's about time to start doing things and start trying to win um, I just, like two points with the Casey Mize thing, we just we don't know, in when in the next CBA comes around, we don't know exactly how they're going to do that, whether or not some part of that is going to be retroactive um, to guys who came up in advance we just, it's just a murky thing that, that's going to be out there, the second part is that Casey Mize isn't going to be up to throw, you know 160, 170 innings next year um, I think I don't think he had topped 120 in in the minors, and he's going to get 50 or 60 this year. So that's another thing to keep in mind: is that it, it won't hurt anything if they've either got to give him some kind of a break, you know, midway through next year, or if they, you know, they want to slow play him a little at the beginning and build his innings up, you know, slowly, so that they can try to use him through the end of the season. Uh, I I don't think the Tigers are going to have to like work real hard to game his service time you know, in order to use him now and to use him next year, both. I, I just don't, I think almost naturally it's, it's going to, you know, work itself out um, just on the fact that they can't overuse them next year. You know, they're not going to be like, yeah, go out there and make 35 starts for us and try to go six innings every time. Um, he's just not really going to be stretched out enough to, to really do that safely. So, so yeah, there, there's my final two cents on that.
0: That's another really good point, and it's it's so complicated. And uh,
2: yeah,
0: it is. <laughs> uh, we're, about see, we're about to learn a lot about the front office's thinking, and they're about to earn their paychecks, or yeah. or maybe bop and uh, and the type of decision that'll that'll eventually cost people um, yeah. their jobs. <laughs> All, so. Right,
1: so let, All right, so let's talk a little bit about the start, about the starting rotation, and then the bullpen. Because okay. I promised a few thoughts about this, and I, I'd, I'd like to get into it with the two of you because I think it's a really interesting topic. So starting rotation, you I, – I, look, I'm in the minority about this. I think Norris will be back this week, and I think he'll have two weeks to get ready, and I think he'll be in the rotation. That's For right now, that's the way I'm going to assume things go. So – what, what's your thoughts about what they're going to do with the rotation? Aside from Boyd, I can't see anybody throwing more than five, six innings. Although Nova, Nova can. is Nova, – Nova, Nova could throw seven innings in the middle of February. But the question is, <laughs> do you want them to throw seven innings in the middle of February? But I, I wanted to ask you about piggybacking because I think it's been on all of our uh, – the back of our minds, piggybacking or – using openers and it'll lead us into a bullpen discussion, but they have enough guys to do it. I think it'd be really productive. The idea of having guys, at least initially, you know, going for nine to 12 outs, kind of maxing as they build up and putting two of them together. seems super appealing to me. So, I mean, I'm curious what you guys have to say about that.
0: I think you're right. I don't think it'll
1: happen. (laughs) okay Brandon
2: I mean I would like to see it as well but I would tend to agree with Cody that um, you know the the next time I see the Tigers you know really try something super creative of their own volition and not to solve a particular problem might be the first time (laughs) so Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to see him do that myself. Um, It it makes perfect sense to me, especially if you're trying to win and you're also going to be kind of working, you know, some of these, you know, this collection of long relief type guys like Agrizal, Tyler Alexander, Nick Ramirez. Um, You know, they've got a bunch of guys that that make sense to do that with. Um, Roni Garcia, Zach Godley, who we mentioned earlier. I mean, there's a host of, of middle relief types there. Hector Santiago. I might be able to keep going. Um, and yeah, it, it makes sense to me to to do that as well. But I don't know. I think Ron Gardenhire has already, you know, basically said like, no, I just want a five man rotation. I, I didn't hear any anything that that you know smacked of creativity as far as how the rotation was going to be used. So I'm I'm dubious about the chances there. I'm afraid.
1: Well, first, let's get something clear. Ron Gardenhire, he does whatever Avila tells him to. Okay. So, however they come to this decision making. The one thing I would tell you, as much as I find Ryan Gardner to be super entertaining and he knows how to run a great clubhouse, you know, he's not part of the new MENSA contingent of baseball management. Uh, a little bit old school, and he's going to, you know, he's a placeholder. He's going to do whatever they tell him to do. So I'm a, I'm a little disappointed. I, I kind of think that, look, they're not going to re-sign Jordan Zimmerman. I don't think that's a big secret. And if they are. They are. I will be sad for like 3 or 4 days if that if that happens. I just can't see it happening and it's
2: Oh, we're going to riot. too bad. You no, very, no. If they re-sign Jordan Zimmerman, we riot. riot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. Brandon Day will riot if they resign Jordan Zimmerman. No offense. I um, love Jordan
2: Zimmerman, but it, it's over, you know. It's just
1: right. kind of over. You will see two old guys with picket signs marching up and down on Woodward Avenue in front of the of front of Comerica Park. They, you they, might. They resign Jordan's, and we will depend on Cody Stavenhagen to come out and go to lunch at Bucharest with us because it's just right. It's right behind the hockey town cafe, and it, we'll probably get a little hungry. We'll while. get sponsored.
2: But, this protest sponsored by shawarma Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> but I, I do, I do want to say. I mean, the idea that you know, look, Zimmerman is probably really adequate for three innings, and so the idea that. You could throw them for nine outs, maybe 10 or 11, and then bring Norris in to throw for 12 or 14 outs. I think it's a really good idea. You know, you take a guy like Nova and maybe pair him with a guy like Fulmer. I mean,
2: yeah, it's the whole point of having of a 30 man roster is that you have all those options to do that, at least to start with. So, yeah, you think they would.
1: So, after 25 games, you can kind of figure out who's throwing well, who's built up to it, try to build some people's confidence up. I mean, Look, Ivan Nova and Jordan Zimmerman are not going to be Detroit Tigers in 2021. So the idea is how do you optimize how you use them and use them to make players that will be here in 2021 better, okay? So the idea that you could pair Casey Mize with somebody else and say, Casey, look, here's the deal. You're going to get 12 to 15 outs. You're going to throw 75 pitches. We're going to do that for a while until you prove to me that you should be throwing Deeper in the games. And maybe in September they let him throw deeper in the game. But the the idea that we're going to just throw guys as deep as we can. Why is Ivan Nova throwing seven innings for the Detroit Tigers when you have other people that it's important that you want to try to develop them? I mean, look, Tyler Alexander can look horrible at times. But it's used correctly. He's effective. I mean, Nick Zimmer, you know. Nick Ramirez, um, we'll talk about the bullpen in a minute here. I mean, Nick, Nick Ramirez, he's got some interesting things about him. If he's used correctly, he's got a ridiculous changeup that he throws an inordinate amount of the time. And he should throw it an inordinate amount of the time. It's his best pitch. Yeah. So
2: And he can spot the damn thing really well. That's what I know, saw last know, year.
1: Right. You know the key to having a good bullpen? Using them correctly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, 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 you know, it's not a garden higher strength. But the bottom line is if you can use two starters to get 23, you know, 22, 23, 24 outs and limit your bullpen to getting three to six outs and they have a terrible bullpen. Don't kid yourself. And there's some things they can do about that. But, you know, let's try to use this season to make the team better so we could play actual baseball and try to win 80 games in 2021 and start the makings of having a real baseball team here. I mean, enough going for the first draft choice for five straight years. It's, it's unheard of. And, you know, look, listen, I, I've I've gone into this rant before and I'm not going to make this one very long. (laughs) Any team that's rebuilt themselves and heaven forbid, I use the word rebuild any team that, came under new management and did a new team build. If it took you longer than three years to become competitive, you did it wrong. You did it incorrectly. And we are now going in year five. So don't kid yourself. Don't listen to the story. Don't listen to the excuses. They need to start putting players on the field that have an actual chance to be here for a few years as Contributing major leaguers who are good, who may be all stars, and they can win some baseball games. Otherwise, you have the wrong people in charge, which you know how I feel about that. Yeah. And let's get new, and let's get new ones. Thank you. You did a good job. You took the hit. You took the punches to the head. Now let's get well, you, real people in here and make a baseball team.
2: Yeah, and I mean, and just to contextualize that a little bit, you know, different way. I mean, we've 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 talked about this a lot. That like building a farm system is you know, is, is only like a first step at most. Like the Tigers still it's haven't found, e-
1: yeah, it's they, the easy
2: part. Yeah. The Tigers haven't found a single, single player, you know, in, in trades or, in, you know, or, you know, just picking someone up and developing them. They haven't found anybody that way. And it feels like right now is the time when, you know, Crystal should be saying to himself, like, okay, you know, we've got enough of a farm system here that a good GM should be able to take this to the top and and start dealing and start making some smart signings and, you know, find the right, you know, combination of managers and coaches, you know, to to start pushing this forward. Um, And, and, yeah, I mean, everything has gone weird this year, and so it's hard to criticize this year specifically. But next year, like, it's got to be go time. It's got to be like, all right, you know, now is the time to start building something here. You know, if the Tigers come out, you know, next year, too, and, you know, win 50 or 60 games. I mean, it's, it's just a travesty to go on and on like this. Um, Listen, I,
1: I, if, the, it, it, if yeah. the Tigers win 50 <laughs> or 60 games in 2021, I'll go out on a limb and say the entire front office will get fired. Now, I, I don't even want to discuss it at length because it should right. be... It, it, we shouldn't even be having a discussion about it. What, what I wanted to ask you, Cody, because you're down there a little bit, I, I mean... You know, are you getting any feedback? Can you kind of, you know, players talk to? I mean, it, it. I would assume that the players themselves want to see a more competitive product be put on the field. Is that, is that a fair thing to say? Is that a fair way to say it?
0: Uh, I mean, of course they do, but you got to consider the way this roster is constructed right now, and. The simple fact we're talking about prideful athletes who all think that they can have an all-star season this next year, you know? I don't think they, you know, they're not advocating for prospects to get called up because that means they're losing their jobs. Um, You have some one-year free agents who are stepping into starting roles. You have some other guys who are just trying to hang on to their major league careers. That's really the way the roster is constructed. So I don't think, and you don't have guys as with seniority, you don't get you don't have guys who are in a position to speak their opinions a lot, which I think we see big time with the Detroit Tigers. These players are pretty, you know, good guys, great clubhouse, but pretty, um, I don't know, complicit with doing whatever the organization asks them to do. So I don't know that there's a huge sense of discontentment within the major league roster. I think there's some minor league players who've started to realize this organization it is becoming more forward thinking, but it could it could be there already. It could be much more who are starting to realize, okay, how long until we get our shots because we can do this better. Uh, but in terms of the major league roster, just the way it's constructed, I don't, I don't think you hear a lot of that.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a mercenary yeah. style roster. I mean, even like even Boyd and and Fulmer, you know, don't really have any guarantees. You know, more than a couple more years down the road. Um, right. the, so they've been hearing like they, they've been hearing the prospects are coming, but uh, yeah, I don't know how much that matters to
0: them. Guys like Boyd, in the back of their mind, they know if they have a good season, they're going to get traded. So
2: yeah, nobody wants to talk about all those things, but. Everybody yeah. knows that they're not, yeah, they're, they're not there for the long haul, unfortunately. And and really, yeah, nobody at the major league level is, unfortunately. There, there's probably not any single player who's really likely to be around for a, a hopeful Tigers contender two or three years from now. So, yeah, it's kind of, it's, we're kind of still in that tough place where it's, it's, yeah, it's just a, a piecemeal kind of roster. All right, I think we'll wrap it up there um, for part one. Um, Mark Cody and I can talk on and on and on, um, as we did. Um, There's about another hour and uh, 15, 20 minutes of this to go. So we'll call a halt right here and um, chop it off there. And when we come back, we'll talk to Cody a little bit more in part two um, about kind of how the bullpen's shaping up, a little bit more what he's seeing down there, um, about the roster construction, And what to look forward to over the next couple weeks and into the actual season when we, God willing, get to it. So we'll call it a halt there and be back at you guys in just a little bit. Thanks a lot for joining us and goodbye.